So, this morning, I invited you to remain seated. Often we stand as we read scripture in honor of God's word, but this morning I wanted to uh, do something just a little bit different. And rather than uh, read the scripture and then preach a sermon on it, I wanted to just, in honor of 2020, of course, 2020 vision, everyone wants to have 2020 vision, right? I just wanted to just kind of slowly walk through the Bible passage and see together what's happening there. So if you'd like to uh, exercise a little, you're invited to pick up one of the Red Pew Bibles. Some of them are hard to find for you in the front row. If you want one there, there's one. And if, you, if, you're, if, you're, if you've had a busy holiday and you, want, you just want to sit back and relax, I've put many of the words on the screen so you can practice your uh, screen time, okay? But we're just going to walk through this, uh, this Bible passage. How many of you have all your Christmas decorations put away? Some of you do, yeah. We, like I mentioned here, we don't. Do you know what day of Christmas it is today? Today's the 12th day of Christmas, if I count it right, which means tomorrow is Epiphany. In the church calendar, there's 12 days of Christmas, and then the 13th day after Christmas, January 6th, is always Epiphany. And so this morning, we're celebrating Epiphany a little bit early. Arliss, is it okay if we celebrate Epiphany a little early? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. If we didn't celebrate it today, we would, how many of you would come to church tomorrow for Epiphany? <laughs> One. One. Thank you, thank you. So we're going to start off, and we're just going to walk through... Uh, Matthew chapter 2 and part of Matthew chapter 2. And we're going to not only look at what we see in the scripture reading, but also how does that help us to see our own lives and what's happening in, in, our, in our lives today. So in the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and we've come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. Well, again, as I explained to the kids in the good news time, King Herod, King Herod uh, was not always such a nice guy. He was kind of a bully. Kind of a bully is um, understating things. He was, uh, he was a ruler who was... He was paranoid, he was frightened as we see in the passage here, and when he was frightened and paranoid, he would use his power to try to hold on to his power. In, the, in that day and age, who would normally take over after a king died? Their sons, right? So King Herod had two of his sons killed because he was afraid that the sons wanted to take over. And uh, sometimes there were queens too, right? And so King Herod had a wife. You notice I said had a wife. He had her killed too. Well, she had a brother and a mother. Killed them too. So to say that King Herod was a bully is to understate what he was like. Now, sometimes people say, well, when I come to church, I don't want to hear about politics. Then I encourage you, don't open your Bible. Because Matthew wants to ground the story of Jesus 
in the political realities of the day. And so as we hear about this new king that's born, it's against the backdrop of this paranoid King Herod. And if you don't hear the story of Jesus as a challenge to the earthly authorities, then you're not hearing, you're not seeing with clear vision what is happening with Jesus. And so King Herod, he, re- he receives these folks, the, the wise men from the east who come and they ask where this child is born. They say, we've come to pay him homage. And when King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. Why would that be? I think I've probably said it before, but many of you have heard the saying, if mama ain't happy. Yep. If Herod ain't happy, nobody's happy. Nobody's happy. So all of Jerusalem is frightened. So what happens? So Herod calls for the wise men and learns from them the exact time that the star appears. Then he sends them to Bethlehem saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. Do you trust Herod? Is he a a politician who regularly speaks the truth? No. Like the like the the good the Spark Story Bible put it, I I had forgotten how. So King Herod spoke to the wise men. He pretended to be nice. He pretended to be nice. So, he's threatened. Do you think he also wants to pay him homage? As I was reading this over the last few days, I was thinking, homage or homicide? What does he have in mind? What does he have in mind? So the wise men, they go. And when they saw that the star had stopped, they're overwhelmed with joy. And on entering the stable, oops, I'm sorry, I misread it. On entering the house, they saw the child and his mother. And what do they do? They kneel down and they pay him homage. In that culture, one of the, way to honor, one of the ways to honor someone was to take a knee. So they knelt down and they paid him homage. And they open their gifts, their treasure chests, they offer him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now we sang that really catchy tune at the beginning, we three kings. Nowhere in the scriptures does it say that there's three, except three gifts. How good are men at multitasking? <laughs> not, not very good. So if there's three things to carry in, how many people do you need? How many men do you need? <laughs> you know, I don't know. That's, I, the, people have conjectured that's the only three that's in the story is the three gifts of, of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. How do the wise men respond to Jesus? They kneel down. They pay him homage and respect. Another, for, another way to say that is they, they worship him. 
and they offer him gifts. So a question for you to be pondering, how do you respond to Jesus? How do you respond to Jesus? Do you kneel down and pay him homage and worship him? Do you respond with fear? Like Herod? Do you offer him gifts? What gifts do you offer? I know many of you who have children here, you give your children gifts so that they can come and offer because you want to teach them that that's part of the response to the gift of Jesus is to give, to give. So, what happens next? And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they, that is the the wise men, they left for their own country by another word. So do the magi, the wise men, do they obey the king's orders? They don't obey the king's orders. Okay? Just want to make sure that you notice that. Sometimes when people talk about faith and politics, people who are in power will quote Romans 13. In Romans 13, Paul talks about how all authority ought to be obeyed and there's nobody in authority that isn't from God. And I was reading over it again, I I noticed something that I had not noticed before. It also says in there that the authorities are not tyrants. Oh, they're not? (laughs) Is Herod a tyrant? Do the wise men obey Herod? If you think through the story of the scripture, you'll notice over and over again where there are some rulers that are good rulers and ought to be obeyed. And there are other rulers that at times are bad rulers and the faithful people are disobeying the ruler for the sake of living out God's intentions in the way that God wants the kingdom of God to be. So we have to, again, see clearly and be in conversation about how, do, how does this fit with the realities that, that we live in. Now after they, that is the wise men, had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, get up. Take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child and destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night and went to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. When the angels appear in the scriptures, what do they often say? Don't be afraid exactly. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Is that what the angel says to Joseph? I'd never noticed it before. The angel says to Joseph, be afraid. There are times in life when we, that are dangerous and we ought to be afraid. And what is the angel's directive to Jesus? You're in a threatening situation. Get a plan for safety. When I was in seminary in St. Paul, I had the opportunity to participate in a learning experience at a place in South Minneapolis called the Domestic Abuse Project. The Domestic Abuse Project. Three guesses what their work was. Yeah. They had treatment programs for both men and women. And so I spent the the quarter of of school um, down there a couple times a week. and, And one of the things that 
they consistently taught the women who were in abusive relationships was to come up with a safety plan. To come up with a way to get safe. And that's what the angel is saying to Joseph. He's got a safety plan. He's got to have a safety plan. And I hadn't read this story of the wise men and King Herod with that question, that, that idea in mind of abusive relationship or a, a, a person who was an abusive person. But I think if, if you have that kind of paradigm in mind, Herod certainly fits within that. Somebody who's in power who will do anything he can to hold on to his power. So Joseph, he flees. He takes refuge in Egypt. And what does Herod do? When Herod saw that he'd been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated. What do abusive people do when the person they're trying to control tries to escape? They often increase their hostility. He was infuriated and he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, according to the time that he had learned from the wise men. The tyrant's response, he escalates. And the story continues. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared, suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those seeking your child's life are dead. Things have changed and now it's safe to go back. Safe to go back. By the way, Matthew, he tells the story of Jesus against the backdrop of the story of Moses. And if you remember the story of Moses' life, when Moses was a child, his life was threatened as well, right? And the king back then ordered all the children to be killed. And the people, the Hebrew midwives, they disobeyed the king and they saved Herod's life. Same thing happens with Jesus because Matthew wants to see Jesus against the backdrop of Moses. So Joseph, Joseph gets up. He takes the child and his mother to the land of Israel. But when he gets there, he hears that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod. He was afraid to go there. So he has another dream and develops a safer plan for a different place to set up his home. And so he goes to Nazareth. He goes to Nazareth. So, you might be scratching your head and saying, I just wanted to hear about the Christmas story. Well, I hope you heard some about the, the Christmas and the Epiphany story. The Epiphany, Epiphany, most people think of like an aha moment. And Epiphany means revelation or manifestation. And Epiphany is the celebration of when Jesus, the gift of the Christ child, is made manifest to the Gentiles, to all the nations, to the wise men, to those foreign folks. And this is the story. It's in the context of a, of a tough, tense situation where people are doing what they need to do to, to survive and stay alive. And God enters exactly into that type of situation to bring about that gift of salvation that we receive in Jesus. So I have a few things for you to ponder. 
invitation for, th- for you to ponder. When you think about a king in your life, we don't have kings in the United States. Part of the United States governmental system is to say, we don't have people in absolute power like the kings. And yet, who is king in your life? Who is king in your life? The Christmas story talks about the king being Jesus. How about homage? When the wise men come to Jesus, they pay him homage, they worship him. How do you respond? You're here today, so your body is saying, I'm choosing today, the first Sunday of the new year, the first Sunday of 2020, to come and pay him homage, to worship him. And the last question that I'd like you to invite you to consider as you go into this new year is to think about your gifts. Because God has given you amazing gifts. Each and every one of you, God has given amazing gifts. I don't think many of you are offering God frankincense and myrrh. And I don't think we've seen any gold in the offering plate lately. But each and every one of you has been given gifts and God invites you to use those to offer them to Christ and to Christ's service here and yet also out in the world. So I invite you to think as we enter into this new year, what gifts has God given you? And how can you use those to share the good news of Jesus? That God has come to be with us right here and right now. I invite you to pray with me. Good and gracious God, we give you thanks for the amazing gift of Jesus and for this complicated story in the scriptures. And God, we give you thanks that you come to us in our complicated stories, the complicated stories of our our life as, as people and as a community. And we simply pray that you would lead us and guide us by your, by your Holy Spirit. Send us messengers to encourage us like you sent the angels to Mary and Joseph. And God, we give you thanks for the gift of Jesus. And we receive him with, with open hearts and with joy as the wise men did so many years ago. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.